So on this, in the spirit of, of uh, this series, what to do when you don't know what to do, I feel like the presence of the Lord just stopped when you stopped playing. <laughs> just, sorry. So, you know, we didn't really know what to expect in 2020, right? I mean, it, it, we, we got a few curveballs this year, you know? So we were thinking and talking, we were like, man, like, what if we were able to go back and change, like, our first series of the year to actually match what was coming this year? So we got the creative juices flowing a little bit. We were talking about, like, man, if, if our prophetic gifting was really in order, what, what may we had, uh, what, what maybe would we have called the first series of the year? And I just want to share some of our results with you. I think one, a good name for this first series of January would have been, I didn't see that coming, preparing for 2020. Another one, don't do it Why you might want to stay in 2019. <laughs> A new series for 2020, hang in there. Another name, it might not work out. An all-new series for 2020. And last... Seven tips for surviving the end of the world. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's all you can do is laugh. Amen. Hey, but God is still good. God is still on the throne. Amen. 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 So, hey, we're going to finish this series, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. We're going to pray, and then I'm just going to do a little re review from last week, and we'll get going. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would be glorified that you would just use me as a vessel of what you want to say this morning, Lord. So we thank you. We love you. We open our hearts to you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So how many of you can recall the moment where you're, you're at the beach and maybe you have some of your children with you and you tell them, you say, hey, I want you to keep an eye on where we're sitting right now, right? Why do we tell them that? Because in about five minutes, they're going to be a quarter mile down the beach, right? Like we have this, we have this tendency to drift, right? Like if you've, maybe you've been there before. You're in the water. You're hanging out. You can see your chair where it was. Next thing you know, you're a mile down the way, and you've got to work your way back, right? Like you, when you need a fixed point to focus on to keep you in the place where you need to be. And I think that's a great analogy of, of what we discussed a little bit last week is this tendency for us to drift. And not only do we drift just naturally, but when we have uh, difficult circumstances and things that happen that cause us to be a little uncertain or maybe a little bit insecure, we tend to drift away from those things that we once held on to very tightly. So we talked last week about having Jesus as our fixed point. I want to read the scripture to you from last Sunday, 2 Chronicles 20, 12 where it says, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. And that could be any difficult circumstance that you face. When you're in a situation where you don't know what to do, where you don't know how it's going to work out, and you're not sure about it, this is a good phrase. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So we talked last week about, hey, we, we may not know what to do exactly, but we kind of do know what to do. 
And one of the first things we should do is fix our eyes on Jesus and say, I may not understand everything. I may not know exactly what's going on. I may not know how this is going to work out. But one thing I do know is I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. I need to look up to the heavens and see what the King of Kings is doing in my life and saying in my life. And what is he doing in this moment in time? It's a great place to say amen. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. We also read what we're going to call our theme passage for this series in Hebrews 10, where Paul is encouraging a church and he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So a phrase that we kind of pulled out of this scripture last week that that we really said was, man, this is a a powerful phrase. This is important. It shows up multiple times in this passage, so it's something we should really consider, and it's the phrase, let us. He says, let us hold on. Let us encourage one another. Let us draw near to God. So we talked about two things last week, fixing our eyes on Jesus, and then the the desire, the need, the importance of us sticking together. It's us. It's not you, it's not me, it's not everybody for themselves, it's us. So we have to fight for community because we talked about this idea that while we may need to be distanced in certain situations and we may need to be a little more cautious and we might need to, to jump through certain hoops to try to deal with the circumstances that we have, it would be very easy for us to move away from this idea of community. And we said last week that we have to choose community over quarantine. Like we can't allow ourselves to not be involved in a rich, strong, meaningful community. So we have to fight for community, which means taking responsibility for each other and saying, no, 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 I'm not going to let you slip out of this community. I'm not going to let you fall away. I'm worried about my own situation, but also I'm worried about you because we're taking responsibility for each other. We've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and we've got to be in this together. Those are two things that we know that we should do even when we don't know what to do. So we started this 21 days of prayer that we're doing together. And so we're, we're seeking Jesus. We're, we're moving towards God while we also do it together as a community. And that's our effort that we're making during this 21 days. And it's not too late. We're one week in. We've got two weeks left. And I want to invite you to just praying with us every day over our nation, our community, over each other, over our leadership. Because we have to fight for community. And we need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords involved in our life. So I want to focus for this morning just for a few minutes on Hebrews 10.22. Where it says, let us go right into the presence of God. Let us go right in. With sincere hearts, fully trusting in Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. 
You see, I think this is one of those verses that maybe we just kind of glaze over. We just kind of read over it. And we're like, yeah, 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 go into, go into the presence of God and, and our guilty consciences have been clean. But I think there's times in our life where maybe we take a step back and we say, well, I don't know if I can really just go into God's presence. I don't know if I can really experience God's presence. Like that's, that's like for the pastors and stuff. Like I, I don't know if I can just go right into God's presence. You know, I probably need to get some things in order before I can go into God's presence. I probably need to make sure that I was really nice to people that day, the day that I'm going to pray and try to go into his presence. I need to make sure that I'm as clean as I possibly can before I stand before, you know, the whole King of Kings and Lord of Lords thing. Like I probably need to have my act together. So what that leads us to to then begin to believe is that if I really want to go into his presence and experience his presence, I kind of got to have it all together. And, I can, and can I tell you, that couldn't be further from the truth. And here's the thing that you really need to understand in Isaiah 64, 6. I love this verse. It's a great reminder. If you want to look up the original meaning, it may be even more significant to you. And I'm not going to say what the original meaning of this verse is, but let's just say that when we translated it into English, we were very generous. In Isaiah 64, 6, it says, All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So I, want to, I don't want to talk a whole lot about, about just the fact of God's presence. I want to talk about our confidence in going into God's presence, our confidence that we can actually be in God's presence. Because when we begin to believe that we have to have it together, and when we begin to believe that we have to act a certain way and we have to, we have to like earn some more favor before we can be in God's presence, what we begin to say is, I'm actually my own savior. I'm actually the one who makes me justified and redeemed before an almighty God. The reality is, and I hate to, I hate to, I hate to break it to you, but your best day is filthy rags. <laughs> That'll be, that's an encouraging thing to hear in the morning. <laughs> Your very best righteous acts are still dirty. We got to talk about that. We got to understand that because if we really want to be able to experience God's presence, we got to understand the truth about what that actually means and why we are able to. Isaiah 61.10 says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. This is a really important mental picture that you really need to think about and need to consider. Is that when I go to God and I say, God, I can't do it. I can't earn my salvation. My best day is filthy. I can't do enough to please you. I can't earn your favor. I can only truly have it by perfection. Something that we're all incapable of. So what we need to understand is when we, when we trust in Jesus, when we put our trust in Jesus and we say, I'm giving my life to Jesus, I'm allowing the, the sacrifice that Jesus made to cleanse me and to put me in a place of righteousness, that's a significant life-altering thing. Because when we do that, what happens is we are clothed in righteousness. 
In other words, when God, when, when Jesus, when we take what Jesus did and we, we put that on and we, we, we died our old self and we become a new creation, you need to understand that when God sees you, he sees you as righteous. That's amazing. He doesn't see you as a sinner. He doesn't see you as a broken person who can't do anything right. He sees you the same way that he sees his son, Jesus. That's a big deal. And if we don't understand that and we don't live that way and we don't, we don't approach God that way, there will never be any confidence about his presence. There will never be us going right into his presence, as Paul so lightly said. Just go into his presence. But he says, because you know that you've been cleansed by Christ. That's how you can do it. I'm talking about a righteous confidence that says, no, I can be in God's presence. I can experience God's presence. As a matter of fact, I can actually carry God's presence into the environments that God has placed me in. Let's take it a step further. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So not only are we cleansed, not only are we made holy, Jesus understands what we go through. He knows about our weaknesses because he experienced them. He was tempted just as we are. So not only does he cover us, he actually sympathizes with us and he, he understands what we're going through. And so right after that, he says, therefore, because you need to know what it's there for. It's therefore because of what that last verse just said. Therefore, come boldly. That, that's a pastor's joke. That went on everybody's head. Okay. I know it's 930. Let us therefore come boldly. Somebody say boldly. boldly. Say it like, you, like the word really means. Boldly. boldly. So let us therefore boldly come. Uh, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. That's incredible. That's a reason to say amen. That's a reason to say hallelujah. It's a, re it's a reason to be here this morning worshiping Jesus. That not only can we just go right into his presence, not only are we seen as righteous, we can boldly approach the throne of God. It's amazing. And if you don't understand how this works and why you have the right to approach the throne and why you have the right to boldly approach the throne, more than likely you're going to be playing this game of, have I been good enough to get into his presence today? Have I done enough recently for him to be pleased with me? Not knowing that He's forgotten it. Your, your sin has been cast as far as the east is from the west. He's not even thinking about what you've done. He looks at you and says, covered by the blood of Jesus. Good to go. Good to go. So, Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near to God. That's what we need to do when we don't know what to do. When we don't know, we draw near. And we have to do it first because James 4, it clearly says, draw near to God and then he will draw near to you. 
So I'm not talking about God being pleased with you. I'm not talking about being justified. I'm talking about if you want God to draw near to you, if you want to be close to God, if you want to be closer to God, you've got to draw near. You've got to take the first step. The order matters. And when you draw near to God and when you seek after God, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, then you'll find me. Meaning, if you're looking half-heartedly, or if you're not really that interested, but you're just kind of doing it because you know you need to, it's not how it works. Maybe you've got some friends who say, well, I've read the Bible before. I've tried this. It didn't, didn't work. I just don't feel it. I don't, I don't know if I can subscribe to this faith that you believe in. Well, the question would be, did you look wholeheartedly? Did you really look? Because it promises that if we, if we look wholeheartedly, he can be found. So here's what I want to do. I just want to make a few statements. I just want to make a few statements. Maybe write them down. Maybe, maybe take a note. Maybe take a picture of the screen if you want to save it for later. I just want to make some statements, and I want you to allow them to sink into your spirit, sink into your soul. Because here's what I know. If we want to get through this difficult season, if we want to actually be able to have joy and peace during a pandemic and an election year on top of that, there's some things we need to do. We need to draw near to God. We need to be close to God. He needs to be the thing that we're looking to, that we're fixed on. He is your prize. So just let me clarify before I make these statements. This is not about your salvation. This is not about your righteousness. This is about seeking God on another level. Trying to push in, trying to press in, trying to get more. So here's what I'll submit to you this morning. How close you can be to God is limitless. It's limitless. Except for one little thing. Your desire. That's it. So if maybe if you're feeling this morning like, man, I just don't feel like I can get close. I I don't feel like, I don't feel close. Well, have you drawn near to him wholeheartedly knowing that he'll respond? It's limitless. You can be as close as you want to. The only limitation is your desire. So it's no longer whether God moves close to me. It's no longer, the ball's not in his court, friend. The ball's in our court. I'll go on and say, the level at which you pursue God is the level at which he will be revealed to you. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about forgiveness. I'm not talking about being righteous before God. I'm talking about pursuing God. And your pursuit of God is will determine his, his being revealed to you. So either way, he loves you the same. If you choose don't to take it to the next level, if you choose not to pursue him with all, with everything you have, as long as, you, as you've trusted in Jesus, he loves you the same. You're still his child. 
But I just feel it's important to say to you that there are different levels of closeness. It is. When my, when my wife and I, we lived in Colorado Springs, we went to ministry school in Colorado Springs, one of the most beautiful places on planet Earth. There's this place called the Incline. Matter of fact, uh, it's the location of Pikes Peak, so Purple Mountain Majesty. That's where it was, it was written. The author who wrote it was looking at that mountain when they wrote that statement because when the sun comes up in the morning, the mountain's purple. Well, there's this place called the Incline. It looks good, but it don't treat you good. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mile long, one railroad tie after the other, going an elevation of 2,000 feet. Many describe it as, I wanted to die when I did this. I almost died when I did this. I got stuck halfway up this. I sat down for three hours somewhere along this path. And then there are people like me who say, I'm not even going to try. Like, no thank you. I'm not an Olympian. Matter of fact, a lot of Olymp- there's an Olympic training site in Colorado Springs because it's, the elevation is high and there's less oxygen. So when you train in that condition, you go further faster. Well, they are known to use this incline as an exercise regimen. You see, because they have a desire to win. They have a desire and a motivation to seek after this gold medal. They want to win. So they are willing to do what it takes. They are willing to, to not eat things that taste good. They are willing to like do a ridiculous amount of exercise. And then they're willing to do this thing. Well, then there's this one fellow that came along, Apollo Ono, who decided, you know what? I'm really hungry for this medal. I really want to be faster and better. I'm going to do this thing on one foot. Yeah, that's right. He hopped this thing on one foot all the way up. I can't in any way, shape, or form relate to this man. But hey, you do you. See, we look at, we look at hunger like that. We look at a desire that someone has like that, and we're like, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. I wish I could do something like that. So I just want to ask you one question. And I I really believe this is a question that I believe the Lord wants to just personally ask you this morning. If you don't hear anything else, maybe hear this one statement. And I'd love it to be something that you think about over the next few days and just consider it. And before I say that, I want to say one more thing. You know, there's a lot of issues of life. There's relationship struggles. There's financial issues that we go through. There's parenting issues that we go through. There's there's work-related things that we deal with. We got a lot on our plate in the world that we live in. And a lot of times we're looking for answers on how to get better. We're looking on answers for how to fix all these issues of our life. And while I can say a lot of things about a lot of different issues, because the Bible has a lot to say about every area of our life, there's one theme that holds true. And this this is the way that I can break it down the most simply, is that the closer you get to him and the more you pursue him, the more that all these things begin to fall into alignment. 
I can't tell you why. I can't break it down for you. I, I could, if we had all the time in the world, to tell you how you can be better with your finances and how you can parent and how you can be, have a better marriage because there's a lot out there for that. But at the end of the day, when you're close to God and you press in and you, you keep your eyes fixed on him, these issues have, have a way of working themselves out. So the question here, there's one question. And it really is as simple as, I'm, as it sounds. How much do you want? How much? How much of God do you want? Because I'm convinced that you can have all that you want. You can have it. It's there. You don't have to do an incline. You just have to have a desire for God. And an appetite for, for God works a little differently than perhaps the appetite that, you, that we all are real familiar with. See, when I'm hungry, it's like when I'm, when I'm physically hungry and I don't eat, my hunger goes away. But it's the opposite in the kingdom of God where when you, when you really begin to, to press in and to eat and to eat and to grow and to press in, your appetite grows. So you have to make that initial investment. You have to press in. You have to create a new habit. But as you begin to eat and feed and experience God, you begin to want more. So what to do when you don't know what to do? It's draw near to God. You can have all that you want. You can boldly approach his throne. But make sure you, have, you understand the reason why. It's not because of you. It's not because of what you've done or what you haven't done. It's because of what Jesus did for you. So let's, let's bow our heads for just a moment, and I'm going to give you an opportunity for you to have a personal moment with God. He's here. He's speaking. He's moving. And he wants to have a personal connection with you right now in this moment. No condemnation, no shame. This message isn't to tell you that you need to do more. It's just a simple invitation to say, you can have all that you want. You just got to push in. You got to press in. And if by hearing this message this morning, maybe you've come to the conclusion that you need to trust in Jesus. You've never done that before. Or maybe you've done it before and you've walked away or you've, you've given up on your faith. The resolution is very simple. Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So what I, what I would like to have happen in just a second, I'm going to pray a blessing over all of you. I'd like for you to pray your own prayer. Maybe for you this morning, your prayer is, I need to press in. Lord, help me, help me, help me press in. Help me to draw near. For others, it's, 
man, I, I got to stop trying to save myself and understand that Jesus already did everything. Or maybe it's, Jesus, I need to trust in you. I need to give my life to you because I'm, I'm tired of doing it my own way. I realize that I can't go very far on my own. If that's you, all you have to pray is, Jesus, I believe that you're who you said that you were. I believe you died for me. I believe you're alive today, and I want to receive you into my life. Give me a new start. Forgive me. You can leave here today a new creation. When you trust in Jesus, you become spiritually alive for the first time. You're a new creation. God will change your life. So if that's you, I want you to pray that today. It doesn't have to be a perfectly eloquent prayer. You just cry out to God. So let me pray for all of us this morning. And Jesus, I just thank you this morning for what you're doing. I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're speaking to us. I thank you that you're changing lives. You don't want us to leave here the same. This isn't just a... This isn't just a habit. This isn't just something where we come to church and we, we hang out for a little while and then we go on our merry way. Like, no, this is, we're coming to worship you and to meet with you. We want to be changed. We want to be challenged. We, we need some answers, Lord, to our life. And as the scriptures say, we don't know what to do, but we're going to fix our eyes on you. We're going to trust in you. We're going to stick together as a crew, as a family, as a unit. We're in this together. And we're going to draw near to you. Knowing that your word says, when we do that, you draw near in return. And when we seek for you wholeheartedly, we find you. And we recognize that we can have all that we want if we just simply ask and simply pursue you on another, on another level. So I pray a blessing over this entire family. I, I pray over every person in this room. I pray for uh, the families that they represent, the people that they represent. I pray that you, for just your, your grace and your mercy over every person. I pray for you to provide for our every need. Begin to just pour out your, your, your favor and your provision on everybody in this room. We give you permission, Lord, to come into our lives and to, and to make some changes. We bless you, Jesus. We worship you. We thank you, Jesus, that you made this possible. We love you. We worship you. We celebrate you. You're so good to us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, come on, let's give Jesus some praise this morning.